Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome once again to the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen as we return to look ahead to this weekend's fixture, which I think one or two may be looking forward to more than some of the other fixtures we have remaining for the rest of this season, as Alex Neal returns to see what he's missing out on as we take on Stoke City. And to help me discuss if this is a big deal or simply some sort of distraction this weekend, we have the company of Phil West. Hello, Phil. Hi, Chris. How are you? Um, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm still feeling it, I think, after after Coventry. And yeah, I, d- I don't know about you, but is there a, I don't know, is there a weird feeling about, like, this feels like almost like playing Borough or something this weekend? Yeah, it's a big game, Chris. Um, It's a very big game. Obviously, as you mentioned there, we've got the subplot of Alex Neal returning. I think, you know, obviously taking into account the two losses that we've had, it would have been a big game anyway. Important for us to get back on track. But obviously, you know, Neil returning for the first time since he left us, that adds a little bit of spice to it. I'm looking forward to it personally because I think there's going to be a good atmosphere. There's a bit of a, there should be a bit of an undercurrent, you know, in the build-up to the game as well, which I think can really inspire people, the fans and the players. And I'm really looking forward to it. I have to be honest with you, Chris. Even though we're in, obviously we're coming off the back of two losses, but I'm hoping that the week off has given everybody, players, fans, coaches, a chance just to calm down, just reset, recharge and get ready for the game. So yeah, it, it's going to be a big one. There's a lot to pick at at what you've just come out with. So I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna pick your brains on, on some of that when we get into it. But before we get really kind of a deep dive into the Stoke game, obviously, we've, I think we might have both mentioned, the last time out we were beaten at Coventry City 2-1. Uh, it was our lunchtime kickoff live in front of the Sky cameras last weekend. Me and Gav, I think, uh, said our piece. Maybe said a bit too much. <laughs> it was only 24 hours after the game or something. Still feeling it. We made comments, Phil, about getting bullied in midfield, looking a bit toothless in the final third. few players maybe dipped a bit in terms of level of performance from how they were playing, what, a month or so before that or two months yep. before that. I mean, you've had a you've had a few days rather than our kind of twenty four hours that we had talking about the game, but you've had a bit more time to reflect on it, Phil. I mean, what are your thoughts on on that Coventry game? Well, we've definitely lost a bit of spark recently, Chris. We had the great win against QPR, and then we obviously went to Rotherham, got our muscled in that game. Really, we didn't really turn up until the second half, and then obviously we went to Coventry, you know, in the early kickoff after that, and and we're really, as you said, we really bullied a little bit. So we're definitely. I think lacking a bit of energy. I think confidence has dropped a little bit. There's plenty of players who aren't quite at the peak at this moment in time. 
And I also felt as well that our attitude in that Coventry game, we were just a little bit naive at times, I felt. You know, they were... I mean, the referee was disgraceful, Chris. I'm sure that, you know, we've all touched on that and we've all had our say on that. But I think Coventry kind of really understood how to manipulate the referee and, you know, get them on their side. And, and, and you know, they really showed us kind of the dark arts of the game. Um, and Martin Wanless touched on this in his editorial column on Monday about how Sunderland need to get smarter in that side of the game, which is true. I think, you know, we're a great footballing team, Chris. You know, I'm sure you agree with me on this. We're seeing some of the best football, that we've seen some of the best football at the stadium like for many years. But we do lack a little bit of savvy. We're not necessarily the most streetwise team when it comes to the rough and tumble of championship football. And I felt that the Coventry game was a really good example of that. You know, there were times... I mean, Danny Barr, for example, he's been dominant this season and he looked a little bit at sea um, against Coventry. You know, how many times do you see Danny Barr looking a little bit... I wouldn't say out of his depth, but just a little bit short on confidence, not quite sure how how to approach it and so on and so forth. So I think that we've definitely dipped collectively. The midfield is an issue. Edward Michoud and Dan Neal are fantastically talented footballers. But again, we talk about Corey Evans and what he brings to the team. He brings physicality. He brings experience. He brings leadership. We lacked that on Saturday. And I think it was ironic, really, that Corey Evans' contract announcement was announced just before we played Coventry, and it was a game in which we really missed him. So, yeah, I think that there are issues that Mowbray has to solve. They are fixable. You know, we haven't become a bad team, Chris. You know, we're still a very good footballing team. And I just think we're in one of those little dips where you've really got to steal yourself. You've got to maybe just grind out a victory, you know, just to get that confidence flowing again. So, yeah, we've definitely lost a little bit, but it is recoverable. We're talking about grinding out a result. I mean, I, I felt the Queen's Park Rangers result away from home I felt like even though, like the, let's say, the last 20 minutes we started playing really nice football and played them off the park, I thought that was a real grind and a real battle. And we ground that was we ground them down almost and came mm-hmm. out 3 0 winners because we won the battle and we almost earned the right to play our football and then we played the football. But yeah. we, we haven't done that since. And I know Gav particularly highlighted the, the team selections. Do you think that team selection's been a big part of not being able to grind that out since that Queen's Park Rangers game? I think that some of the players are starting to look as if they're being a little bit overplayed to me. I think that some of them, I think that Tony Mowbray's loyalty to many of his young players, which is admirable, and I think that's a fantastic thing for a manager. I think he's really, he's backed them steadfastly, and a lot of the times they've delivered for him. I think he's maybe stretching that a little bit too far at this moment in time. I think with, for, for, particularly uh, with Neil and Mishu. I think that you've got, you know, you've got in theory a big, strong box-to-box midfielder in Pierre Acquart who's not, who's waiting in the wings. Now he hasn't played a great deal of football. He's going to take time to get up to speed, but he in theory ticks a lot of the boxes that we need at this moment in time. And I think that Mowbray is loyalty to Mishu and Neil, giving them a chance maybe on Saturday to to atone for what went wrong at Rotherham, backfired a little bit because that was not a game for neat, intricate football. It was a game really where you need a bit of energy, a bit of hustle in midfield. And we didn't really have that. So, yeah, I do think team selection is playing a part in it. Fatigue seems to be kicking in mentally as well as physically. I think the heads are just maybe a little bit down. They're lacking a little bit of confidence. Um, And I think Mowbray needs to address that. So, yeah, you know, again, having this break, having this kind of gap in between games, which is much needed, I think that will have given Mowbray a chance to assess the squad. I know Gav's talked about this um, in roundtable articles, for example, about how Mowbray seems to lack trust in some of these players, which I can kind of see that I can kind of see. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to Luke O'Neill later in the pod, but you know, I think he would have been excellent against Rotherham. I think he would have been good for Coventry as well. So I think Mowbray's got a look at selection. I think he's got to maybe 
grasp the net of them, rotate, give some of the other players a chance and let the younger players have a little bit of time off. But yeah, it's definitely playing a part, Chris. So we've kind of talked about it from our side. And again, I think I mentioned this during the week that obviously we're past the halfway stage. We're playing everybody for a second time. And everybody's had a chance because we were almost like a, a little bit of an unknown entity coming up from League One. We made a lot of changes, brought in a lot of players, um, obviously the change of manager as well. So I think first time around, maybe a lot of sides didn't know what to expect. Now we're playing everyone for the second time this season. As much as kind of we're talking about what we can do from our side, do you think there's an effort from opposition managers to go into games to say, well, basically all we need to do with this Sunderland side is basically kick them up a height, kick them, niggle at them, elbow them, pull them, you know, and they'll get wound up. They'll start whinging. They'll start getting frustrated. I mean, so so how we've talked about it from our side, but how much do you think, you know, opposition managers are actually targeting that? Oh, I think it's, I think it's a huge factor, Chris. I absolutely think that they're, they're looking at us and thinking, you know, this Sunderland team, they're a little bit on the lightweight side physically. Um, if we get in their faces and mix it with them, they might crumble if we keep the pressure on. So, yeah, any you know, any any savvy manager, any savvy coaching team would look at Sunderland and they would target that as a potential weakness. And I think really it, it's a kind of a carryover from the League One years when we often had really good technical players, but we lacked that little bit of physicality in what was a rough and tumble league. And in the championship, you know, when we found the space and the time to play our natural style, it's worked beautifully and we've played some fantastic football at times. But when games become a little bit more fraught, when the space is closed down, like at Millwall, for example, I think Millwall was a really good example. That was a game that we really, really had to dig deep. And obviously, Dennis Serkin took an absolute clobbering to get that equaliser. But that was a game where the space was a little bit restricted and the likes of Ahmad weren't quite getting the time to to do their thing. And yeah, I I do think it, it, it is something that opposition managers are targeting. Now, I understand, of course, here that there's an argument that, you know, this this is familiar, but have we been figured out? I don't necessarily think we've been figured out. But what I do think we certainly need to do is, you know, have a different style that we can go to if the, the A game, if you like, isn't working. And as I said, without the likes of Evans, for example, it is difficult for us to implement that because in midfield, you know, Misha and Neil are great on the ball, but the physical side of the game, it's not their best quality, which is fair enough, not a problem. But as a consequence of that, if opposition midfielders get in their faces don't give them the time and space to do what they want, then they are going to find it difficult. So, yeah, I think that Mowbray could probably look at that. Um, and again, I think the likes of Equar would really bring that physicality. I think Onayim would as well. I think <laughs> what we probably could do with a little bit at this moment in time is that resilience that was instilled in us by Alex Neal when he first took over. You know, if you, I'm sure you remember, you know, under Lee Johnson, we were a good team to watch at times, but we were very easy to play against at times as well. And Alex Neal showed that up. He made us hard to beat. And obviously the results spoke for themselves. So, in a kind of a, a roundabout way, I think probably a little bit of that is what we need at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, let's get on to, to the weekend's game because I'm going to come back to what we think Tony Mowbray might actually do because um, yeah. I've been thinking about that quite a lot today, but we'll, we'll see. We'll come back on to that. But yeah, but um, but obviously this weekend, um, I think it's been a game that a few have been waiting for in the calendar. They've had it marked off yep. and counting down the days. I mean, from my point of view, Phil, I have to admit, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. I mean, I kind of look at it and think, well, he did the business, and you've just mentioned it. He did the business for us. He took us up, which was which was huge. I mean, we'll I think we'll look back as the uh, kind of Alex Neil era as the start of what will hopefully be 
this taken off and kind of establishing yeah. ourselves as a as a kind of real force where we'll end up. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but I think that that was definitely the start of something. And you know, he he did that, and then he made that decision. You know, whether it was for money or difference of opinion or family considerations or whatever it was, he had his own reasons, and he left. I think you know everyone's got every right to do that. I think the way he left wasn't great. Could have done that in a better way. But I mean, do you do you think are you convinced he's going to get pelters from all corners of the stadium? Actually, even even Stoke fans by the you know the way things are going there. But do you think he's just going to get pelters across the board, or do you think do you think it's going to be a little bit mixed in there? I think initially when he walks out into the dugout and he shakes hands with Tony Mowbray before the game, I think there'll be a quite a big chorus of booze from um, Chris. <laughs> to be honest with you, but then I think the game will set. Then I think it will settle down. And I think obviously, you know, when when Stoke make errors and stuff like that, you know, if the ball goes out of play, and Neil picks it up, you know, for a throw or whatever, they'll, they'll get they'll be the you know they'll be the sarcastic cat calls and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think there'll be a, I think he'll get certainly a hot reception. But you know, just to pick up on what you said there, Chris, I mean, from my point of view, it's very very simple. I'll always be extremely grateful for what Alex Neil did for Sunderland when he arrived and took us up. I'll always hold it against him for the way in which he departed the football club. That that that's that's my opinion. You know, I have great respect for what he achieved in terms of ending the league one hell, making us hard to beat, giving us that magical day at Wembley, and getting us back to the championship. You'd be it would be incredibly foolish to deny that. But as you said, the way he left, I think it lacked dignity. I think it lacked class. I think it lacked integrity, and I think the fans will let him know. But yeah, I think that once we get over that initial. Think of him walking out the tunnel and kind of standing, you know, in the technical area in which he still would have been if you know he he made the choice to leave. I'm sure he would have still been in where Mowbray is going to be standing on Saturday had he wanted to. Then I think we'll get down to the nitty gritty of the game, and that's I think that's the most important thing. I think that if we let it turn into the kind of the Alex Neil show on Saturday, I think the players might run the risk of taking their eye off the ball, and I think that won't be any that, that won't do them any good at all. So yeah, there'll be that initial kind of. You know, outpouring of you know jeering or whatever, and then I think people will settle down personally. You know that that's an interesting shout you've ju- you've just come up with there because I, I said at the right at the top. For me, even though I'm kind of on the fence about, it, I'm not sure. Completely agree with you. Grateful for what he did. He could have done things better. I'm a little bit on the fence, but it still has that feeling, like I said, like almost like a borough game where it's it's not a derby. It's just something a bit more, you, you know, than if we were playing Preston at home, or you know, it yeah. feels a little bit bigger than that because of the Alex Neil thing. But you've ju- you've just mentioned something interesting there because there is a worry that the whole Alex Neil circus this weekend it starts becoming a distraction and it turns the game into one where the players are up for it as well. The the tackles are flying in because the atmosphere is all whipped up. You know, Stoke make it a game that. You know they wanted to be rather than one that suits us, but on the flip side, we've talked about being bullied, and you know maybe if the fans are up for it, a bit more energetic, a bit more, I don't know, aggressive, if you like, <laughs> the fans yeah. from from the fans' point of view, maybe it could kind of lift the side a little bit on in terms of that. So, I mean, it it's got a strange feeling to it. It could go either way, like you you said, it could it could stop us from from doing our thing if it's whipped up into that. I mean, how do you actually see it going? Because you 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 mentioned there that you could see it calming down when the football starts. But, I mean, do you think that's actually how it's going to be in reality? Well, I mean, it depends on how we approach it, Chris. I mean, if you know, if the players are too eager and, and too keen to make the point to Alex Neil, 
then you know there's every chance that they, we could lose our heads, we could lose our discipline, and the last thing we need is a, is a repeat of Swansea, where obviously you know Luke O'Neill goes in wholeheartedly, makes a challenge, he gets sent off, and then the entire dynamic of the game changes. So I think the message that Tony Mowbray will be you know stressing to his players is let's play with controlled aggression, let's make sure that we use the crowd's energy positively, but we don't get too crazy, we don't go thundering into challenges if they're not there. And if the ball's not there to be won, you know, let's, let's not make too much too early. And let's make sure that we play the game for the full 90 minutes and play it in a controlled manner. So I think discipline, Chris, is, is the word that needs to be on the, on everybody's minds this weekend. I think, that, you know, Mowbray's going to know what the fans are going to be like. He knows that the fans are going to be raucous and they're going to give Alex Neal a hot reception. He's been around the game long enough to understand that. But I think the message he'll be getting across to his players is, look, lads, we know that there's going to be 40,000 of them in there tomorrow. They're going to be making a big noise. What you've got to do is you've got to concentrate on the game, do your job and make sure that you're not too eager and too keen to make an impression because we need every single player from 1-11 to to be on their game this Saturday. Chris, it's a very important game for us. It's important that we play, that we that we walk that line between hard competitive football and sensible football as well. So yeah, I think that you know the crowd are going to have a role to play but it's important that the players don't take it too literally if you see what I mean they don't kind of go too crazy and think oh I've got to impress the fans here I'm going to go you know thundering in early doors that's going to get us nowhere so controlled aggression would be the uh, watchword I would say yeah I had a smile on my face uh, listening to you there because you were talking about Mowbray and I, I had a um, earlier on today I had a quick uh, look at his press conference today and it was straight off the bat first question was about Alex Nail of course you know that's going to it's going to be the main point this weekend and he was asked about that and as you said he's been around the block and I think he just had a little smile on his face and he went yeah the atmosphere is going to be and he actually described it as being interesting what the yeah. atmosphere is going to be because I think even he couldn't decide uh, which way the fans were going to go but um, just again on that that press conference he was talking about this week because this week was the first midweek we haven't had a game since the last week of January so he yeah. said because I think they asked, well, you know, how have the players been this week? Have they had a chance to relax? And he actually said that the players have had a few days off completely just so they could get out of the bubble that they've basically lived in for the last month or so. Because we had from the 28th of January, after that week we had off uh, after the Borough game, we had eight games in four weeks, which is yeah. a lot of football. So he's give, he's give the players a few days off completely just to kind of refresh and as we've kind of touched on in midweek and as you've touched on today, you know, the players were looking a bit leggy and we're not talking kind of physically, you know, I think they're fit enough to get through 90 minutes. It's that mentally they're just kind of shot. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, from listening to Mowbray and watching the players off the last few weeks, it seems like the right thing to do just to give the the players a few days off just to say, get away from it. Yeah. I mean, it's a remorseless schedule in the championship, Chris. We know that, you know, especially... The, the kind of, you know, the immediate aftermath of, of Christmas heading into New Year and then kind of into, into February and into March, that kind of cluster of games, if you like, is very, very demanding. It's a relentless schedule. It, you know, it asks a lot of the squad. It, it tests your squad depth. It tests your players out. It tests their fitness physically and mentally, as you said. And we've definitely struggled with that in recent weeks. So I think that Mowbray's made absolutely the right decision to let them, to, to give them some time off because, you know, the last thing that we want, here is a repeat of what happened, what really kind of hamstrung Lee Johnson's time in charge, which was young players really being burnt out, overplayed, 
you know, basically flogged because we couldn't rotate them. Now, we do have greater depths now than Johnson had. But, you know, for, for someone like Dan Neon, who I think's got a great, a big role to play between now and the end of the season, he does need to be managed smartly. Someone like Jack Clark as well, who, at his best, brilliant attacker, really useful player for us. But again, you know, got to make sure that you manage him, you don't burn him out, you, you, you're sensible with him. Um, and I think Tony Mowbray is doing that, Chris. And again, this is all part of what Mowbray was brought to the football club for. He was brought to the football club to be a mentor, almost a father figure for these young players, to guide them on a journey that you know not many of them have been on before. He's an experienced championship boss. Many of them haven't played at this level before. So what they're finding out now is you know, that it's not always smooth sailing. You are going to go through dips in form. There's going to be times when you are questioned, when you haven't got quite that spark that you used to be able to call on. And it's just a matter of getting through it. But yeah, I think it was the right thing to do, Chris. I, I don't see the point in, you know, in flogging them when they had time off. You know, they, sh they should have been given the rest. They should have been given recovery time, take some time off and then recharge for the Stoke game. So yeah, good management, Chris, for my money. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm, I'm, it's going to be really interesting how we come out the blocks. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the team, uh, Dennis Sergan still feeling that concussion. So that's a little bit concerning there. I mean, that's a little bit worrying. So we wish him well. Um, on that, uh, Lyndon Gooch, I think, was still non-contacted training, so he's got a bit to go yet. So it sounds like we've got the same group of players that went into the trips to Rotherham and Coventry to select from. Uh, nobody's come back from injury. And I've touched on this before we start recording, Phil. I've been thinking about this today. If I was in Tony Mowbray's shoes, I mean, looking at the performance of some of them against Coventry, looking at against Rotherham, it's on one hand, it's almost tempting to say, well, the lads have had three days off. They've had a few days off. They've all recharged their batteries. Let's kind of go back in when they've been refreshed. Maybe it was just a, a knock-on effect of having those eight games in four weeks. But now they've had a rest. Does he just go in with, let's let's go again with those players because I've got confidence in them? Or, you know, does does he do something, you know, does he... Uh, change Mishu and Dan Neal out in midfield. You know, does he change that pair? And does he bring out one of Ahmad Roberts and Clark, maybe for an extra midfielder? Does he drop Gellart and go back to what we the kind of things we were doing when Sims and Stewart were out earlier in the season? I mean, yeah. th this he's got a lot of options there. I mean, you, we talk about you know we're worried he didn't have enough options. I mean, there's lots of things he could do, and I've thought about it and I haven't got a clue. But what would you do, Phil? Well, I think the two players who I think could be key this weekend are Alex Pritchard and Luke O'Neill, Chris. Um, I think Pritchard, experience, craft, retains the ball very well. And that'll be key because obviously, you know, Stoke will be coming up. That we know They'll probably be quite confrontational. They'll try and get in our faces and make it tough for us. And I think that Pritchard's composure and experience, again, experience is the watchword here. He knows the league. You know, he's been here before. This game won't face him whatsoever. So I think you're bringing him in, possibly. And I definitely think you've got to bring Luke O'Neill in, Chris, because... Again, you know, I think that obviously he had that red card against Swansea, which was a real set. Well, I wouldn't say a setback. It was a real blow to him because he's been so good, so reliable. And I think he took that very, very personally, to be honest with you. Um, and I think in a game like this, where we need some zeal in midfield, we need some spark, I think all nine could be really, really useful. And for me, if we're going to start getting the best out of Joe Gelhart, we've got to improve the service to him. I think, that, you know, he's shown no lack of application and no lack of work rate, Chris. You know, he is... He is grafting, he is doing everything he can to get himself into positions. Okay, he's had some good chances that he hasn't converted, which is which is fair enough. That can happen. But I think we've got to get a good supply line to him. And again, look, I'm sure this week the lack of strikers will be touched upon, but 
this is the team we've got. And frankly, I think we've just got to get on with it personally. Gelhardt's going to be the man. And I think what we've got to do is get the ball to him in positions where he can pose a threat. <sighs> would I drop Ahmad? Maybe. I would. I mean, that goal he scored against Coventry was outrageously casual, to be honest with you. Because the way he made, you know, the way he bent that into the top corner, it was just kind of, oh, well, I can do this if I want to. But, you know, it, it might be a bit too late. But hey, here you go. Have a consolation goal type of thing. But his general play was casual for 93 yeah. minutes until he knocked that in. It was, and that, that's, that's what you get with Ahmad. You know, he can be quite, he can be quiet, he can be almost anonymous for, for long stretches in a game, and then he can pop up and do something absolutely outrageous like that. So that could be a bit of a dilemma. But yeah, I, I think that, again, just if you ask me to pinpoint two players, I think Pritchard and 09, because I think uh, Pritchard's experience and composure combined with the energy that Luke O'Neill brings, I think they could be crucial this Saturday. So I, they will be the two players that I would be looking at bringing in. So who comes out then? Um, I would probably bring Misha out, personally. And I would possibly take Ahmad out as well. Again, it's a tricky one because I, I really do like Misha and I think he's been very, very good since he came on against Middlesbrough. He really excelled that day. But I don't think this is going to be the kind of game where you know we're going to have a great deal of time on the ball, which is where Misha was at his absolute best. Um, I think it could be more of a, a blood and thunder affair. I think you might have mentioned this, or someone mentioned this in our group chat recently about how it could be a bit of a, a grind on Saturday. So I think Luke O'Neill suits that. And again, just maybe bringing Ahmad out and maybe bringing him into the fray, you know, later in the game when he can really kind of affect things, that might work well. So I think Mowbray needs to change things, Chris. I, I don't really think going in there with a familiar looking starting eleven is really going to help us get a result on. And that's not me being critical of Mowbray, by the way, because I think he's been fantastic for us. I just think that if it's not quite working, now would be the time to change it and make sure that it's freshened up and we're ready to go on Saturday. And you'd stick with Gallard up front? You'd stick with that? I would. Yeah, I would stick with Gallard up front, Chris. I, again, I, you know, I know he was rumoured to be the subject of you know speculation from, I think, five championship clubs before he, before he joined us or something like that. And there have been times when I've been watching him and I'm, I haven't quite seen what a lot of people have been expressing you know optimism about how good he is. And I know he was quite hyped up by Leeds fans. But on the other hand, you've got to remember that he's been tasked with filling the shoes of a man who's borderline irreplaceable in Ross Stewart. So again, maybe he's always going to struggle in that regard. But I would stick with him, Chris. I, I do think there's a player there. I just think he needs to start taking his chances and keep on getting at the right positions. And again, as I said earlier, I think we've got to improve the supply line too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I was thinking about this with Gellard today. I, I can honestly see Mowbray being tempted, very tempted to go back to what we were doing when Ross Stewart and Alice Sims is out earlier in the season. And yeah. that that would mean Gellard dropping out, Clark maybe moving into that kind of forward position, and then yeah. Pritchard, Pritchard coming in, but Pritchard coming in for Gellard rather than Ahmad, as, as you've said. And, and Mowbray's got to be tempted to do that because, I mean, actually, we were struggling at times, but we got some great results and played some lovely stuff when we played with that kind of false nine when Clark was the most advanced player because... Yeah. We had that. We had that kind of rotation going, where you know Clark would sometimes come wide, and he would swap with Pritchard or swap with Ahmad, and they would kind of have this rotation going, and and it worked quite well. So it was interesting because again, I was listening to Mowbray today in that press conference, and he was talking about we've got to find a way because we have, and he talked about Ross Stewart again. He says we've got to find a way because we haven't got Ross Stewart, but we've already been in this position and we found a way, and we played some lovely stuff, and now he's talking about trying to find a way. So it's He's got to be tempted to go, to go back to that sort of system we had before. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, you know, that that's that's what Mowbray is about. You know, he's not going to, I know he's been making, you know, somewhat veiled complaints about how, you know, I think he said after after the Coventry game, he mentioned something about not having the tools to do the job or 
or you know we'd be great if we only we had strikers or something along those lines. But again, at the end of the day, Chris, you know, continually whinging about the lack of strikers is not going to help anybody. This is the team we've got, and we're just going to have to go for it. We can the striker situation needs to be addressed in the summer. We need more strikers, and I'm sure that'll be addressed when the time comes. But yeah, again, you know, going back to what we again, as you said, you know, we we look at the Redden game for example when Ellis Sims went off injured. And then that kind of opened the whole game up. And then, you know, we went and won 3-0 and played some really good football. Um, I also happen to think as well that Jewis and Bennett might start coming a little bit more into Tony Mowbray's thinking because what he can offer is the pace to stretch teams. And again, I know Bennett's had his critics since he's been here, but he's a young man who's come thousands of miles away from home to take a chance that's been given to him by someone that's been a huge cultural shift for him, as, as for many players. He's adjusting, he's adjusting slowly, but he is adjusting. And I think Mowbray might give him a little bit more game time. Maybe not this Saturday. I think he might be, you know, twenty minute cameo on Saturday. But in the games to come, I think Bennett might start coming into his thinking a little bit more because that pace that he's got, and we know he's got talent. You know, he's got a great goal against um, Fulham in the cup. I think he scored against Watford away to, to salvage a draw. He's got talent, but again, I think it's a matter of trust and managing him smartly. So, as you say, Chris, the options are there. We've definitely got the options, but it's how Mowbray uses them and how he rotates them to best effect that's going to determine. You know how successful the rest of the season's going to be. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Shout that about Bennett because I think it went a little bit under the radar in the build up to Ahmad's goal that Bennett was on the left hand touchline and the Coventry player had the ball and Bennett yeah. actually muscled it off him and he did this. He kind of rolled it, rolled it under his foot, like yeah. down the line because he was right on the touchline and the the Coventry player was in the the middle of pushing him out of play and he he hooked that ball and it, it ended up looping right to the back post where. Where Ahmad did his thing, but I think that went a little yeah. bit under the radar. That there might not be a bad shout out about Bennett, but I mean, we've been talking about options that, oh, you know, what, what, what do we think might improve the team? I mean, how much of that is what you think you actually think Mowbray will do? Because I've got a feeling, and again, just because he was talking about recharging the batteries, I've got a feeling he's going to go out with the same eleven that went out against Coventry. I, I don't know why, just you know, undertones and looking at what he was talking about and I just think he, he thinks those players had a rest they deserve another chance and I think he's going to go with the same team I mean that could be part of his thinking I mean Mowbray might be thinking to himself well the, the starting 11 I picked at Coventry it was a good team but they were only at maybe 60% in terms of you know energy and fitness and all the rest of it maybe after a week off if I pick the same team they'll be up at 80% and yeah. you know that, that 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 could make the difference so it could be Mowbray playing the percentages you know, and again, as I've said, you know, I've advocated changes for Saturday's game. But on the other hand, I also wouldn't be surprised, you know, looking yeah. at Mowbray's record of loyalty to players, if he did pick the same eleven that, that he picked against Coventry. So again, you know, he does have the options to rotate if he wants to. But again, I, I just think what it comes down to here is, is this more about picking the best team to win on Saturday, or is it about picking a team who can atone for what happened at Coventry and Rotherham and maybe pick up a result? into the bargain. So I think it's Mowbray kind of playing the percentages a little bit, Chris. But again, you know, he seemed reasonably relaxed at his press conference. You know, he seemed reasonably upbeat about it. He sounded positive. He sounded as if everybody's, you know, reinvigorated and ready for the game this Saturday. So I'm not worried about how Mowbray approaches it, but I'm interested to see how he approaches it because, you know, a win on Saturday, and we haven't really talked about this on this pod, but a win on Saturday thrusts us right back into that playoff mix and it keeps the season very much on track. So it's one of those games where, you know, the atmosphere beforehand might be a little bit uneasy. But if we do the business and come out with there with three points on Saturday, Chris, the whole picture changes and we all go home happy and we're all reinvigorated. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's it's, it's a big, big game for Mowbray this, I think. Mm. 
Yeah, Mowbray mentioned that about kind of getting back in the mix. Uh, four points outside now and, you know, potentially, you know, the way the results might go, let's say we're only two points outside. It's going to feel exactly. like... It's going to feel like a, a big boost, but uh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, looking at looking at the table again, I mean, Stoke they're seventeenth. Um, looking at their form, they've won one in the last five away from home, but it was their last away game in the league, which they did win. That ended in a three-one win at Swansea, which is a tough place to go. Actually, it's I mean, very we, tough. We had a tough day there. That was despite the fact they went behind after two minutes as well in that game. So they won uh, last time out. On the road, um, but they followed that up with a one 0 defeat uh, to Millwall, which was their last game in the Championship because they played in the FA Cup. Looking at all of that, you know, seventeenth in the table, they're kind of struggling. They're, they're getting the odd result, which is keeping their head above water. If you take Alex Neil out of the equation for this game, completely just ignore the fact that it's got this Alex Alex Neil element to it. I mean, I'd just look at this and say, well, yeah, we sh- we should be winning this. This should be three points. We, you know, yeah. we we're at home. We should go at them. This is a good chance to, you know, we haven't won in the last three. Get three points on the board. But I mean, d- again, going back to that kind of Alex Neil thing, because I, I, if it wasn't for him coming back and changing the dynamics of the game, I'd just be saying we should be winning this. This should be three points. I mean, do you still? Is that how you feel? Are you, have you got this niggling feeling, or do you just think? Well, it's Stoke, they're struggling, we're at home, we should be getting three points. I haven't got a feeling of unease about it. I've got a f- I'm intrigued, Chris, uh, above all, because just to see how we handle the occasion and how the game pans out and how you know the Alex Neil factor might kind of you know uh, impact our performance. But you mentioned there, if you take Alex Neil out of the equation, I mean, if, if Stoke were being managed by, say, Michael O'Neill, by Gary Rowett or by Nathan Jones, three of their previous bosses, I wouldn't be any anywhere near concerned about this game. You know, you, you'd just be thinking, well, you know, they're, they're a, another run-of-the-mill championship team. They're coming up here. They're not in great form. It should be an easy victory, as you said. But there's always that unknown, isn't there, with when a former manager comes back to the club he's just departed, and especially given the circumstances under which Neil departed. If it had been, let's say, you know, an amicable departure, if they'd just shaken hands and parted company, Neil had said, I'm moving on. Thanks, you know, I'll always be appreciative of the chance they gave me. We had a great play offer and we got back to the championship. Let's part ways on good terms. I think he would probably get a fairly decent reception. But I think the way in which he left is really the, the kind of the underlying needle here. You know, the fact that he left went, you know, on the morning of a big game against Norwich. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. But yeah, again, I, I don't think it necessarily adds a fear factor to the game for me. I just think it adds a little bit more spice to it. It should, you know, it should crank the atmosphere up just that little bit more. And it should hopefully give the players the impetus to show him what he left behind and why he might have been misguided to do so. Because, you know, you look at Dan Neil, for example, and if he plays on Saturday, Neil, during that playoff run, he barely got a look in. You know, he barely got a look in. Um, and I don't even think he got onto the pitch during the playoff final, and that would have hurt him deeply, Chris, as we, as we know. So I think he'll be going out there determined to show Alex Neil, you know, what he was missing. You know, I think even someone like Alex Pritchard, if he plays, he played really good football under Alex Neil. Go out there, Pritch, and show Alex why he was wrong to leave. So, yeah, I think that the players can turn it into a positive, and I think they'll need very little incentive from Tony Mowbray. You know, they won't need much encouragement to go out there and perform on Saturday. These are, you know, and I look to the likes of Bart and Patrick Roberts, you know, and O'Neill, the kind of that that core group, if you like. They'll be telling their younger teammates, "Look, lads, let's go out there, let's show Alex why he was wrong to leave us, and let's show Tony and these fans." that West are the good football team. So hopefully the players can use the return of Alex Neil as just that little incentive that they need to push them over the line on Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah. And I've, uh, yeah, I've just got that feeling that Alex Neil, he's going to be that desperate to come back and get three points. He's going to whip whip his team into a bit of a frenzy. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, last time we played Stoke, uh, the stadium alight, uh, it was tw- January 2017. When we Oof. went, when we went down three one, I don't quick quiz question, uh, Phil. I don't suppose you can name the two managers that day, Sunderland and Stoke, twenty January um, twenty seventeen. I'm get well. Obviously, it would have been David Moyes in our dugout, and it was was it was it Mark Hughes? Oh, Stoke at that time. He, he's got them, got them in one. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, David Moyes so. and Mark Hughes. Um, Arnautovic scored two, and Peter Crouch scored. Um, the third and uh, Defoe got a consolation for us. God, that was only six years ago. Uh, that's scary, a, isn't it? That's, yeah. That is scary, talking about an out of it, Crouch and Defoe, six years ago. Yeah. Blimey. Um, but before that, um, before that defeat in 2017, we have to go back to 1994 when they beat us with a goal from Mark Walters at Roker right. Park. And I, I was there that day. But this time around, Phil, I, I've just got a feeling I think we're going to get I just think we're going to get three points. I think we're going to go out. I think we're going to be determined. I think we're going to be focused again. And I'm confident. I'm confident of getting three points. Are you with us, Phil? Or are you... I am, yeah, Chris. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I think that, again, you know, just having that little time off, that break to, to recharge the batteries, um, you know, for the players to maybe, you know, look at one or two things that's gone wrong for them in recent games um, and for Mowbray to kind of really, you know, just take stock. Because again, you know, it's it's tough on the managers as well. You know, we talk about the players in the workload, but the managers have got, you know, they've got a tricky job as well. And Mowbray certainly has to to rotate when necessary to keep them on the right track, to lift them up when they're a little bit, you know, when their heads are a little bit down and their confidence might be suffering a little bit. Um, but yeah, I am confident, Chris. I think that, you know, if we can if we can get in their faces, if we can win those physical battles, if we can show that what we've got in terms of attacking quality as well, because we're, you know, and I think you mentioned this quite recently that, that, that we're not quite playing with that attack and spark that we saw earlier in the season. If we can get that back and combine that with a little bit more bite and a little bit more steel in midfield, then we can certainly win this game. So I am confident, Chris. I think it might be nervy. I think we might have to ride some stroke, some you know, some waves of stroke pressure at times on Saturday, which you would expect. But I'm going to go for a two-one victory to us. Oh, two-one, two-one. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take that. I'll take anything. Just three points. But we're pretty confident. And you heard it here first. Three points for the lads this weekend. So, um, obviously lump all your money on store. But, <laughs> uh, but I think I think we'll leave it there, Phil. Before we uh, change our minds. Uh, thanks for your time as always, mate. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. All the build-up ahead of the game against Stoke uh, on Saturday will be on the Rook Report website, as usual. But from us, bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.